Gracious Lord, we pray that this morning you would open your word to us, that you would open our hearts to receive your word, that by your Holy Spirit you would show us what it is to pray, what it is to pray to you as a child of yours, and that by your Spirit we might know that you hear and you listen and you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this Epiphany season, we are looking at the gift of prayer and asking the Lord to teach us how to pray. Last week, we laid the foundation for prayer and saw that it's not about the accumulation of things, but time spent in the presence of our Father. That the gift of prayer is the gift of God himself. This Sunday... We're going to look at a passage that deals with prayer gone wrong. Using the the negative example that Jesus gives us in his Sermon on the Mount, we'll learn a great deal about a crucial component of prayer. You've likely heard the old saying, the ends justify the means. Many people believe that if the conclusion is what we are looking for, then how we get there doesn't really matter that much. And we can actually bring this sort of sentiment or this sort of thinking into our religious practice and belief. As long as I'm looking to the Bible to guide me, it doesn't really matter that I completely misinterpret what it teaches. Or as long as I'm praying, it doesn't really matter that I'm I'm not really engaged at all and I'm only doing this to check the religious box. Or as long as I'm giving to the church, it doesn't really matter that I I made this money through immoral means or I'm only looking for a tax break. You see, Jesus cares very much about what we do. There's no question about that. But he also cares very much about why we do what we do. In Christianity, the ends never justify the means. The, The means matter. And perhaps that's a good way of understanding Jesus' teaching on prayer that we're going to dive into today. Because he shows us that one of the barriers to genuine prayer is the condition of our heart. Because that condition determines how we pray. Do we pray like a hypocrite? Do we pray like a Gentile? Or do we pray like a child of God? And those are the categories that I I would like to to look at or to use to approach this text in Matthew 6. Let's open our our Bibles together. If you you have a Bible with you, open it up to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in the fifth verse. And let's begin with this first category, praying like a hypocrite. Hypocrisy in our day and age, is, is it's like a top five level insult, right? It's one of those things you just never want to be called because it, it calls into question the genuineness of our hearts or our, our motivations and above all, our beliefs. You know, if, if you genuinely believe this, then you wouldn't do that, right? That's, that's something that we, we don't really want to hear. And it was the same in Jesus's day. And hypocrisy was something that he exposed over and over again, in part because he found so much of it in the religious leaders of the time. And that's who he has in mind when he says what he does about prayer here in verse 5. 
And when you pray, he says, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Now, we want to make sure that we correctly identify the issue here. Jesus doesn't teach that there is a problem with public prayer. We can and should pray in front of and with other people. Also, the problem is not one of posture. There is nothing wrong with standing when you pray. Just as as sitting or kneeling is a common posture for prayer in our time, so standing was the common posture for prayer in that day and age, and, and actually still is for Jewish people. And so the problem here is not visibility, and it is not bodily position. The problem is the position of their heart. Notice here that Jesus gives us their motivation. He says, that they may be seen by others. That's the interpretive key to this part. They are hypocrites because they are praying so that they might be seen by others. So that people will walk by and think, wow, (laughs) look at how faithful they are. Look at how much they love God. They won't let anything stop them from praying. Even stopping at the street corner to pray. Letting everyone see just how much they love God. I wish I was like them. Instead of appreciating prayer as a gift from God, they approach it as something to show their own greatness. And it twists the very nature of prayer completely out of shape because it places us at the center of prayer and and not God. And instead of being a means of sanctification and, and growth in faithfulness, it becomes a hindrance to personal faith and to the faith of others. It teaches people that that is what following Jesus is all about. Just just check the boxes and and, and be public about it. Be, Be public in your witness. That's what really matters. Put your faith on display for all the world to see. Never mind the fact that I only pray when other people are around, when people can see and hear me. Never mind that I pick and choose just the right words and phrases to show everyone just how much I know. Never mind that while things look pristine on the outside, on the inside is a self-serving, self-seeking, sinful heart. If I'm saying I'm doing this in the name of Jesus, then that's what matters, right? The ends justify the means, right? But the Father does not look kindly upon making a good gift that he has given into a means of self-glorification. And this is the whole point. The ends don't justify the means here. And you know what might truly be shocking here? See, we might expect Jesus at this point to say that the Father will punish them. That he will show them just how empty their actions are. But instead, Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Well, how can he say this? Why are they being rewarded? Well, their reward is the admiration of other people. It's, it's that, that praise and that, that admiration from others that they sought in the first place. That's what they're being rewarded with because... 
that's what they've sought. But it means that the reward is an empty shell of the reward that God wants for us. It's nothing compared to what is on offer. As Pastor Phil Riken points out, by the time the hypocrite says amen, he has already received everything he will ever get for his prayers. And it's kind of heartbreaking, really. Because God wants so much more for us in our prayers. Never forget what we said last week. Prayer is the gift of God himself. He is the reward. If we approach prayer as a means of showcasing our personal holiness, it will only reveal how little holiness we have and the amazing blessing of God our Father slips through our fingers. The reward is no reward at all. And that is true of our prayer lives as well as all other parts of our Christian walk. If the point of what we're doing is to draw people's attention to us and to show them how wonderful we are, then it is an abuse of that good gift that God has given us and it only reveals our hypocritical heart. Do I pray like a hypocrite? When I'm in church with other people, do I make sure that I have just the right posture, right? Having my eyes closed tightly and my my hands clasped just the right way. (laughs) Just in case someone looks at me and they can see how prayerful I am. What's the condition of my heart when I pray? That's what Jesus is challenging us with here. How do I pray when no one can hear me? Do I pray when no one can? can hear me when it's just me and God. Well, praying like a hypocrite is only one of the challenges that Jesus presents us with. He also talks about praying like a Gentile. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, is the problem here that Jesus doesn't like long-winded prayers? (laughs) Should we be striving to keep all of our prayers under two minutes maximum? Well, I have to confess that at times, I wish that's what Jesus was teaching here, but it's not. (laughs) Nor is he coming down on the person who, who rarely prays out loud and in their nervousness, they just keep talking because they're desperate to find the the right words to to finish the prayer. Now, once again, Jesus is talking about the condition of our heart. In this case, it reveals a lack of faith in and knowledge of who God is and what he's like. You see, a Gentile was a person who didn't believe in God, right? They weren't a member of God's covenant people. And so to pray like a Gentile is to pray like one who doesn't know God. It's believing that we just have to say the right incantation to be assured that the Father will listen to my prayer. That was me when I first started praying. I thought that for God to hear me, I needed to start and finish all of my prayer times with the Lord's Prayer. Otherwise... 
he would see that I wasn't really serious about my prayer. That's how I showed how committed I was, right? It is a rule that I created. Nowhere, and no, at no point, and nowhere did anybody teach me that. I just came up with it. It's what we do with most of our rules, really. I have a lot of friends who, who grew up in evangelical and, and non-denominational churches, and in, in their traditions, they would teach people that they just needed to pray a prayer of faith. Right? Confess that you believe in Jesus, that you're a sinner and, and need his grace. Ask him into your heart and you're saved. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that prayer. It's actually really good. But what I am often told by them was that they never knew if it worked. How do I know that God heard me? How do I know I'm saved? Well, I guess I better pray it again just in case just to be sure it worked. I know people who have prayed that sinner's prayer more times than they can remember, just in case. That is praying like a Gentile. It's praying without genuinely knowing or believing that God is a Father who always hears our prayers. He always hears our prayers. He may not answer them the way we want him to. Or he might need to show us that what we are praying for is actually the wrong thing. But he always hears them. Because he is our father. And he is a good and gracious father who delights in hearing from his children. Prayer and the blessings God grants through prayer are not something that need to be unlocked by a secret code. When we pray like a Gentile, it's because we have no confidence that God will hear us unless we use those right words and phrases. And so we just keep talking. And we better be sure to throw in some of those hundred dollar theological words because unless I can correctly use the word propitiation, Jesus might not forgive me. You see the problem here? Now if that was you, as it was me, The lesson here is that we have misunderstood who our Father is. And we need to ask God our Father to show us what it means that He is our Father. To remind us of His goodness and grace and to fill us with the peace of His presence, knowing that He always hears our prayers. Faithful prayer comes from a heart that is assured of the Father's goodness. We're actually going to talk more about this idea of God as our Father, the truth that God is our Father next week as we dive into the Lord's Prayer a little bit. We bump into these miraculous words, Our Father. We can pray like a hypocrite. We can pray like a Gentile. And our prayer life, in both of those cases, will be burdensome and empty and hollow. Alternatively, we can pray like a child of God. Well, how does that happen? Again, it's about the condition of our heart. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, again, 
This is not an admonition to only ever pray by yourself. I've heard people say that, that you're only ever supposed to pray by yourself, tucked away in a room. That is not what Jesus is teaching. That's an abuse of this teaching. Rather, it's a call to have a heart that remembers what prayer is about. You see, one commentator helpfully pointed out that the word for room here would also be used for a storeroom, a place where someone would keep their treasure, their most prized possessions. And it's a room that would be secret, right? Like, if you had a a big old safe in your house, you wouldn't put up signs that say safe that way, right? You wouldn't do that. (laughs) That's the image that Jesus gives us for genuine prayer. It's less about needing to be physically alone, though at times that is necessary, and more about going to the place where your genuine treasure is found. We're to enter into this secret place of our hearts because that is where we meet our Father. That is where we are surrounded by our treasure because He is our treasure. He is the point of prayer. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you, Jesus says. Listen to what the great Anglican pastor-theologian John Stott has to say about this. What are the treasures that we find? He writes, We are granted a strong assurance of his fatherhood and love. He lifts the light of his face upon us and gives us his peace. He refreshes our soul, satisfies our hunger, quenches our thirst. We know we are no longer orphans. For the Father has adopted us, no longer prodigals, for we have been forgiven, no longer alienated, for we have come home. What blessings our Father seeks to pour upon us. What blessings He seeks to give us. And I love this list. I love that Stott gives us this list in part because it's not a list of material blessings, but spiritual ones. Ones that are only granted by our Father. Ones that are only found in Jesus. Your Father will reward you, Jesus says. It's a promise that the Father will give us more of Him. A deeper relationship with him when we pray as a child of his. Praying as a child of God means praying with a heart that knows our Father and seeks to be with him and him alone for simply that reason. To be with our Father and be granted the remarkable blessing of life with him. It's why Jesus can teach his disciples what he does in verse 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. I know many people who, who hear that and they think, well, why would we bother praying? If God knows what I need, why would I need to tell him? Why would I bother telling him? He already knows. Wow, such a question comes from a place of misunderstanding the point of prayer, doesn't it? It's a question based on the false assumption that prayer is about getting things. 
But that's not what prayer is about. Think about it this way. As a father, I often know what my children want or need before they ask me for it. When I hear daddy, (laughs) I often know that they, they need a snack or they need help putting on their boots. But I don't stop them from asking me. I don't stop them from telling me what they need. Because I want them to know how glad I am to be able to say yes. Or to understand why sometimes I need to say no. I want them to know they can ask me for things and that I will hear them when they call. I will listen to them. That is what the Father wants for His children. He wants us to know that we hear Him. He knows what we need. He knows it better than than we do. And He knows that something we need is the knowledge that He is there. That He listens when we call. And so rather than cut us off, He bids us to come and to sit and to speak with Him. It is a gift to us. It is His gift to us. That though he knows what we need, he asks us to come and speak it to him anyways. To pour our hearts out to him, not so that we can fill the air with words, but so that he can comfort and restore our hearts. So that he can give us the heart that prays like a child. The Father is waiting for us so that we might enjoy His presence and receive the innumerable blessings of this life that He has for us. The purpose of Jesus' teaching here is not to leave us in despair that yes, we often have a hypocritical heart and love it. We love it when people see us and think, look at them! Nor is it To leave us in despair that we often have a Gentile heart in our prayer. Lacking the assurance and the conviction of God's presence. And believing that he will only listen to us when I say and do just the right thing. Rather, it's a call to bring that wayward heart to him in prayer. So that he can give us a heart that prays rightly. So that coming into the presence of the Father, He might give us the heart of a child who knows and believes that our Father delights in listening to His children. And that He is always there, waiting for us to speak with Him and spend time with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious Father who loves to speak with his children, who loves to hear from them. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us a heart of a child, that we might faithfully pray to you in the confidence that you do hear us, that you always hear us, and that when we have that hypocritical spirit or that that Gentile heart, that you would correct us. That as a a loving Father, you would gently correct us. That we might pray to you and receive the reward of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.